You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Let's move just to the defense. Some impressions of the pass rush you spoke of. Demarcus Walker, a little bit banged up at practice on Tuesday. I understand also uh, Jervon Dexter made a good first impression. What were overall the things about maybe the, the defensive front of the Bears, which has been talked about a lot? That stood out to you early. Well, look, like you can see the appeal of Javon Dexter. The, the just, it's just, it's just raw physicality. The dude is huge. He's explosive. And it's just something that you can't create in a lab. And, and so now you got to figure out a way to, to, to get um, the football instincts and the football knowledge to match up with what's there physically. And they're going to have to, to continue to, to push that along. I think they like both these rookie defensive tackles, versatility, the ability to be able to play nose, ability to be able to play three technique, and then try to squeeze the most out of those guys in, in situational roles, at least early on. Um, Dexter's a guy I want to see more of through camp because in some of these one-on-one drills, like he'll win the one-on-one, but you say, if that was a five-on-five, there's somebody else there to clean him up, you know, because there's just less space to operate and we'll, we'll see where that goes. Uh, the pass rush as a whole, Biggsy wrote it. Our, our friend Brad Biggs wrote for the Chicago Tribune that these next seven to 10 days with the Bears going through a whole series of padded practices will tell Ryan Poles what his urgency level needs to be in having discussions in the outside world about potential pass rushes. Well, guess what? The urgency of those discussions might go up more if Demarcus Walker is unable to return to the practice field in timely ma- fashion. He left practice today. We were unable to get an update from Matt Eberflus, who's um, taken the John Fox card and and decided that we're not going to talk about injury specifics or injury timelines unless they become long-term things. And so there were a handful of guys today either who didn't start practice and didn't practice at all or left practice. Uh, DeMarcus Walker and Jack Sanborn were the two that left practice. Nate Davis was among the guys who didn't even participate at all in practice, which to me is one that you keep an eye on because he missed two weeks of OTAs. And if, if you want to uh, try to just keep track of a guy's practice habits, that's certainly one that, that has to be uh, kept on the radar until uh, it's not deserving of being on the radar. Roshan Johnson and Kari Blassen game, the other two guys who missed practice without an explanation. That's the thing about training camp. Let's go back to defense, Dan. A year ago, Dominic Robinson was making an impression because he was a former wide receiver, former quarterback, and his story was well told. In the offseason, he worked with Colts uh, former pass rusher Robert Mathis, who I think is probably a good guy to learn from. Dominic Robinson said, the other day that when he played offense in Miami of Ohio, it seems like a very long time ago. And now that it, it was in his world, the way his body has changed, maybe the way he sees the game, any noticeable difference with him and what are reasonable expectations for Dominic Robinson? Look, I, I, I'm, I don't know, you know, because it was uh, an early flash in the season opener last year. And then 17 weeks where there wasn't any, real pass rush production at all. And so um, this is another guy with traits, 
you know, it's another guy with potential, but eventually you got to, to, to unlock that potential. And that's up to the coaches to, to bring the most out of them. I, there's just a lot more I need to see from Robinson. There's a lot more I need to see from Travis Gibson who's a guy that I believe has the potential to get back on the escalator that he seemed to be on two years ago before that escalator came to a <laughs> screeching halt a year ago. And so somewhere along the lines, you have to find some of these guys that outperform their draft status, you know, and, and become starters and second contract guys for you and guys that can become part of your core. Uh, hopefully at least one of those two guys checks that box. Uh, if not, now you're shopping, you're shopping, you're shopping, you're using the draft, you're using free agency and, and you're constantly looking to the future when hopefully uh, you have an opportunity to, 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 to squeeze something out of the now. Great story in Sunday, Chicago Tribune by our colleague Colleen Kane on Tremaine Edmonds. The middle linebacker comes over from the Bills. A lot of great stuff about his background and playing with his brothers and getting Bob Babich's in input because he coached Brian Urlacher, presented Brian Urlacher at the Hall of Fame, and now he's a former position coach for Tremaine Edmonds as well. How seamless has that transition been in terms of just the leadership uh, that he's taken over because I think on the field, we're going to have to wait and see everything yeah. about Edmonds and this defense and the takeaways, you know, his length speaks for itself. His physicality goes without saying, but I just wonder what you have noticed from him and, and what, um, what he is like to kind of be around and observe. Well, his arrival is not to the Khalil Mack level of instant energy that we saw in 2018 when Mac got here. But there is the reason I bring that name up is, is as a compliment because there has been sort of an infectious gravitation of, of the guys on the defense to the tone that Jermaine Edmonds sets. Two totally different players, two different positions, all those things said. Jermaine Edmonds got very comfortable very quickly in letting his voice be heard here. And so this is a guy that's been in leadership positions throughout his life. Uh, he's, he's always been young, <laughs> you know, a, a young guy for the stages he's been at in his career. And, and he just has a natural command of the people around him. That's not to be taken for granted. That's very valuable, particularly when you're at a stage like the Bears are in right now. So let's move to the back four or the back you know, six. This is secondary because there are a lot of guys making some impressions early on. Couldn't get past the, 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 your your take and your opinion you put on social media and some others. Jaquan Brisker, who also drew the, the praise oh. of, of uh, Matt Eberflus, I believe. I, I think this is somebody who is, is – if he can stay on the field, I know last year he had the issues with the concussion, but I do think if he can stay in the field, he can be the best player in that secondary because of all his uh, just versatility. But I, I like what you see early on from a Jaquan Brisker, and it sounds like he picked up where he left off as a rookie. Two-minute situation, end of practice today. Broke on a pass from P.J. Walker to Darius Fountain. I know that'll let you know that it's one defense <laughs> one defense versus two offense in that situation, but made a great interception near the sideline. And the defense was pumped about the interception that Brisker made. I think the one thing that I've seen through six practices is, is as you mentioned, a continuation of what we learned about Jaquan Brisker a year ago. It's just that the passion is there every single day and every single snap of every single day. And, and Matt Eberflus talked today about um, the ongoing process of teaching Brisker how to, how to channel that passion in the right direction and saying also that, that he is channeling it properly. And that's a great sign for the Bears because when you have a guy that overflows with that type of passion and then it can, it can result in playmaking ability on top of it, now you've got one of those things that jumpstarts and gets a defense that, that's looking 
looking to go from, um, you know, bad to pretty good to nasty, you know, and, and, and Brisker brings some of that nastiness that, it, I mean, this city loves, you know, you know, those guys, right. And, oh, yeah. and ho- hopefully it continues uh, through the duration of 2023. And it looked like, I think Brisker's also been um, very, uh, you know, honest in saying that when he suffered that concussion in Atlanta last year and was basically by himself in the dark for a few weeks, it, it, it threw him off his groove. It threw him out of his routine. And he really struggled to get back up from that down the stretch of last season. Now he feels like he's back in the clear. The only thing I worry about with Jaquan Brisker is, again, you have a concussion history and you play the way he does. Ugh, you know, now now you've got to figure out a way to, to, to make sure that doesn't become a recurring issue. But beyond that, the guy's love for football, his instincts, his want to learn. And then again, that passion, it's, it's off the charts. Last couple of things. So I, I always find it interesting that the Bears lost 14 games last year. Historically bad season, as we are want to say. And they come into the, the next training camp, the very next preseason and they don't really have many positional battles. They, they have a depth chart that is pretty secure. You don't have a lot of guys fighting for spots, but one such spot is in the secondary. And I think it's the outside corner opposite Jalen Johnson. And it's, it's taken shape a pretty good battle, it seems. Terrell Smith, the uh, late-round draft pick from Minnesota, has stepped up, and he, had, he looks the part. Meanwhile, Tyreek Stevenson also does, a second-rounder from Miami who they value and everybody knows because that's where they drafted him. Dan, I don't know if it has to be either or week one. It might be something that evolves. They're going to rely eventually on both guys. But is that one of the more fun battles ensuing in training camp? And what are your impressions of each rookie. It's not only one of the more fun battles in training camp, it's one of the only battles in training camp, to be honest. You got running back and maybe one or two others, but these two guys are 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 acclimating quickly. Tariq Stevenson to me has a little bit of a an inside track here. Although you hear the praise from Matt Eberflus about Smitty, Terrell Smith, on a regular basis, that that leads you to believe that the coach really likes a lot of things that he does instinctively. Tariq Stevenson to me has a combination of instincts and confidence that remind me of Eddie Jackson as a rookie, as a guy who, who comes out of a, a, you know, a big time program. He was at Georgia before he went to Miami and believes in himself and understands that like this league isn't too big for me. And I've got all the physical traits to succeed in this league. And now I just got to get better. I got to use uh, practice time against established veterans to get myself better. And ultimately I- I'm going to emerge. And you remember it was, you know, October of Eddie Jackson's rookie season when he had those two touchdowns against the Panthers at Soldier Field. And all of a sudden it was like, Eddie's here the next year. He's a, he's an all pro, you know? And so you, you've got that combination there of, of the, again, the, the, the confidence and, and the understanding of where he's at now and, and the willingness to climb that staircase that, that, that should give him potential to be a, difference-making starter in this defense. We'll see where this goes. Look like we've got preseason game action now less than two weeks away. We'll get three consecutive Saturdays where I'm sure the Bears want to test both of these guys against NFL competition. We'll get those crossover practices in Indianapolis. And by the time we get to the last week in August, you know, this competition will probably be a little clearer uh, and we'll be able to talk uh, with a little more clarity about where it stands. Last thing I want to touch on, make sure we didn't overlook it just because of the schedule of our podcasts. But Jalen Johnson spoke late last week in a way that I think we have to bring attention to. You know, I I know that you were, uh, I think, impressed by the way he handled himself, what he had to say entering the final year of his contract, um, facing a lot of the questions after Colt Komet signed the extension worth $32.8 million guaranteed. And Jalen Johnson did not attend OTAs. And, And, you know, when he didn't and he has said what he said, 
I think, you know, guys like me were somewhat critical of just, you know, putting himself ahead of the team and ask some questions that I think were valid at the time. By the same token, you have to be fair. He handled himself like a pro, his first kind of opportunity to, to get behind the microphone and, and state his case. And I love what he had to say in terms of, I haven't really proven yet that I deserve that contract. I'm going to go out with that attitude. And he and explained why he may not have gotten the takeaways like maybe Trevon Diggs in <laughs> Dallas has and he got paid for it. But I thought I was very impressed by Jalen Johnson's approach and his professionalism handling himself in the way that if you're a Bears fan, if you're a Bears coach, that's exactly what you want to hear from one of your best defensive players. When when Jalen missed those couple weeks of OTAs, I think it was natural to sort of attach contract discontent to his absence. And I don't necessarily think it was to the level that the outside world perceived it was. I think Jalen wanted to have some time with his daughter. I think he wanted to be away from football for a little bit. And then he was going to come in and work as soon as he got back. I think he's been very candid and honest with his self-assessment. I think he obviously has a a high level of self-confidence and believes that no matter what happens with his contract, he's going to go out and put the best foot forward and try to prove what he's worth, which is ultimately what you do in these situations. But at the same time, as you mentioned, like Trevon Diggs, was taking one pick after Jalen Johnson. I remember asking Ryan Pace on draft night, look, you had two of those guys staring you in the face and you went with Jalen over Trayvon Diggs. What was it? And, and, and going through that. Well, now this guy's gotten paid and he's got 17 career interceptions through three years and you as Jalen Johnson have one interception and you're grounded enough to understand that, okay, I haven't done the things uh, and accomplish the things and put the things on my resume that get these big dollar contracts paid. And so I have to own that. And I have to go and change that if I want to be paid big money. He was also asked, you know, to compare his situation to Roquan Smith's situation a year ago. And he had a similar answer where it was just like, you know, that, that's Roquan Smith. The, the, the dude was an established standout star in, in the league. And, and I'm still trying to kind of earn that respect from the outside world, even though I believe in my heart of hearts that I'm a standout uh, you know, top tier cornerback in this league. So it's going to be really interesting to see where this goes. I think Jalen has been very clear. He would love a contract extension before the season starts. If he doesn't get it, he's not going to be bitter. He's not, his feelings aren't going to be hurt. He's going to go out and try to, to prove to Ryan Poles and, and Matt Eberflus and Alan Williams and anyone else who has a voice in this conversation that he's worthy of being here for the long haul at a price that feels good to him.